0: Let's get in our Bibles today and go over to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to continue this morning. we got a message I believe will help and stir and excite you and your relationship with God. We've been talking about the rules of grace, and so we want to continue today uh, with this message. Of course, all the previous parts to this series are available on our website. You can go there and listen to them for... Uh, for free. doesn't cost you a thing and uh, I believe it'll be very helpful. Let's go ahead and pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe that you're at work in our hearts and our lives today and we ask you for utterance in the Spirit. May we speak by inspiration that each person may receive those things that are necessary for this day and this hour. Thank you for your Word that comes alive inside. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Hearts open and receptive, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read verse 8 and 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so we can see real clearly basic uh, salvation doctrine is is, uh, we are changed, we are forgiven, we are saved because of God's work. Our part is simply believing God's work. It's simply believing what Jesus did for us on the cross, that it was sufficient, nothing else needs to be added to it, and what He did completely rearranged our, ourselves, our future, our eternal destiny. He gave us new life. He did it for us. We simply believed in the finished work of the cross. Everybody with me on this? This is Any anyone who's ever been saved, that's the way they come in. Anyone who has a relationship with God today, they have uh, come in by His grace, not by their own self-works, not by their own efforts, not by their own goodness. OK? OK. Colossians chapter two is the other side of our, uh, other part of our text here for this series. Verse six says, "As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him." And so, and so the grace of God is not something that only saves us. It's something that empowers and enables us to live our lives daily for Him. If you want to be run over by life, uh, give it your best shot. <laughs> give it full maximum effort. <laughs> but if you really want to uh, overcome in life and operate in the God-given the God, uh, grace that's been made available to us, then, uh, uh, then this is the key, okay? And it's not just for salvation. Again, anyone who's come to the Lord and has literally been born again, it's been by God's grace. But too frequently people then revert to their own works and their own efforts and their own uh, ideas to live their lives, and we've got to stay in grace. Because, listen, everything we do, everything we get from Him comes by His grace. You, we don't earn any of it. We don't just become good enough and then we start receiving all the things that we want. It's all by His grace. Talking about answered prayer. Talking about healing in your body. You're talking about direction for your life. Helping your marriage. The Lord leading you into, into godly and right relationships. It's all by His grace that these things come. I was in a, I was in a meeting years ago and I was just observing. And in this, in this meeting, this group of people, they were praying for sick people. And they had some gifts of the Spirit flowing. They were a Spirit-filled group. Uh, When when they got to this one young man who who was in a wheelchair, the intensity of their prayers got really high. Uh, Because, you know, when someone's got a a condition that's obviously bad, you know, it's it's very visible to everyone that there's a physical issue there, you have to pray harder, right? (laughs) I mean, if someone's got like a big sickness, you have to pray really hard. well that's only if they're if they're the source of the healing then i guess you turn up the heat and you know you really crank out that prayer real well but if it's actually god doing the healing it's no different than praying for a cold Amen. amen because what is it it's he's the one who does it we're the one who simply trusts in him but anyway they got to they got to praying for this young man and the you know intensity went really high for this prayer but i was listening to the prayers And a lot of them went something like this. Lord, if anybody deserves to be healed, and they called this guy's name, they said so-and-so, he deserves to be healed. And a lot of prayers went around that way, and I thought, you got to be kidding me. And uh, I said, you don't get healed because you deserve it. Nobody deserves it. Right? Say, what happened? Well, what do you think happened? El Zippo. Nothing happened. That's what happens when we approach God based on our own merits and our own goodness. Nothing, and then they wind up, say, and then they, they stop and they say, "Well, let's not put God in a box because nothing happened." Oh, what kind of box is that? <laughs> anyway, you see how you know we, we got to find excuses when things don't work. <laughs> uh, but that's not how we approach God. Amen. That's not how we're going to get anything good from Him. That's not how the blessings of God flow in our lives because it's all about us because we're, we're just good enough and we've got it all going on. No, it's when we acknowledge that uh, He did it for us. I mean, it's His grace. It'll carry us through every aspect and every part of our lives. Yeah, isn't it nice to have life being so, how, how it's so easy like it is? I mean, isn't it, just, isn't it just sweet? Aren't you enjoying life? I mean, it's just easy. I mean, I just it's just nice. It's almost like we got a little bit of heaven on earth to go to heaven in. <laughs> yeah, it's just sweet. It's just nice. What is it? It's God's grace. But too many times people are struggling. People are just fighting hard. They're trying to do better. And they don't know that God's ability is there to enable and empower them to do what they could never do on their own. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Some of what we're sharing with you today will, in the minds of some, be very, very elementary. And it is in my mind too. But at the same time, it seems to be very deep. And it seems to be very, uh, something for the mature. Because when we simply talk about the forgiveness of sins, being born again, uh, the grace of God, these are keys that a whole lot of people today are simply missing. And maybe they want to go and study some, you know, meat. But I'm telling you, this is what's putting me over. What I'm talking about here is what's given me victory in my life. It's what allows me to overcome. It's what enables me to get prayers answered easily, without effort. And yet it's one of those things that it seems fundamental, elementary, but it's so powerful. Uh... This is a great passage of Scripture. I love it. I like it a lot. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 16. It says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. That's quite a statement. We're, just, we're not relating to people. We're not regarding people according to the flesh. How many know there's a lot more to you than what we see? Because when you got born again, your body didn't change. Your hair color didn't change, you didn't grow or shrink, or gain weight, lose weight, you didn't you know your eyes stayed the same color because you, when you're born again, your body doesn't change, but how many know you spiritually change, your spirit was made brand new, and so we regard no one according to the flesh, He said, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh now, we don't know him thus any longer. we know him thus no longer. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, remember that phrase, Anybody here in Christ? Come on! If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. When a person comes to Jesus, they come in Christ, the Bible says it's all right now. Everything is good. Everything about you is of God. The old stuff is gone. It's dead. It has passed away. You are literally a new person. Brand new creation. Aren't you glad today you have no past? Literally, if you've come to Jesus, you're in Christ, you have no past. The Lord doesn't know anything you've ever done wrong. Because you haven't done it wrong. Because that wasn't you. That was the old guy. Where's he? Dead. Old things have passed away. Now all things are new. I was reading this from a few different translations, several in fact. Let me read a few of these words to you today. He is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Another one said, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life Has begun. Here's one says, When anyone is united to Christ, there is a new world. The old order has gone. A new order has already begun. This one says, He is a new being. This one said, He becomes uh, a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. Or another one says, the deadness of our former condition is passed away. And the true Christian is not merely a man altered, but a man remade. Isn't that good? Literally, old things have passed away. And everything has been made brand spanking new in your life. Now, many of us, we, we hear these things and we will accept and embrace that from the day we were born again, anything that happened previous to that, any sin we committed, any wrong way that we lived or acted, we, we will acknowledge that it's gone, it has passed away, it has been abolished, and I have a new life from that point on. You got saved in January, you know you, from God's standpoint, and the true reality of your spiritual life is you were not alive before January. Right, But here's where a lot of Christians struggle is they think, okay, I got born again. There's no past before that. But the problem is after I got born again, I've blown it. Since I received Jesus, I've sinned again. What about that? Because old things have passed away, but since they passed away, I've added some new old things. What about them? Okay, here, here's the deal. If it's true that from the moment I get born again, then all that stuff continues now to build up, then this verse is only good for a very brief period of time. Do you see how this doesn't even apply to us? If it's only my past before Christ that's been abolished, that's been washed away, every time I've blown it since then is, I've got baggage now. And if that's true, that sins since I got saved are still resident and present within with me, then I can't go to heaven either. You know that sin doesn't get into heaven, right? You know that's kind of the, the deal breaker. The whole Jesus on the cross would become unnecessary if sin could get into heaven. If God could have a relationship and embrace us with sin present. And so if a Christian has sin in their lives, they're not saved. Anybody getting nervous? And I think the only way this verse really becomes um, relative to me is I get saved, I'm born again, I'm a new creation, and I die that moment. Because some of you you sinned in the parking lot after you got saved. What are you going to do about that? Here's the the deal. Here's the good news about this. This kind of scripture is present tense and continual in operation in our lives. It is always true. A thousand years from now, I am a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. The truth of the matter is when Jesus paid for our sins, he didn't just pay for sins of the past. He paid for them past, present, and future. If he didn't pay for them past, present, and future, then he has to die on the cross again. Hmm. and the only way for a person to be sinless or to be free, completely free from sin is that they must get saved the moment before death because if they blow it after that nothing can be done let's go over to Galatians chapter 2 And so you have no past. I know this is going to be a challenge for someone to wrap their mind around, but I'm going to give you the word, and you can accept it or reject it. You can stay bound up as a failure and a sinner, or you can come and be a Christian. You can have new life in Him and experience it from day to day. But it's really true that even what you haven't done yet's already been forgiven. I mean, that's almost too good to be true. It sounds like such an amazing concept. You mean what I was going to do tomorrow? <laughs> well, hopefully you're, you're not planning to do it, but that's another issue you've got going on. But things that I, sins that I haven't committed, they've already been forgiven. Have to have been. If they haven't been, you have no hope. I have no hope. Because Jesus isn't going back to the cross. Hmm. Amen. Okay, Galatians 2, Paul said here in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now, what happens when someone is crucified? They die, don't they? Paul said, I was crucified with Christ. Now, he wasn't physically crucified. He wasn't one of the guy, one of the crooks on the cross next to him. But he said, "I was crucified with Christ." That means he died with him. He said, "It is no longer I who live." What does that mean? There, there's an element to the Christian life, and this is this verse is a real big key to having success and victory and living in the grace of God. Okay, is that we see ourselves as dead. So how do you do it? There is no me. In a very real sense, there is no you. As long as you live for you, and as long as you keep you breathing, you're going to be in charge. You're going to be operating in your own efforts. But the moment we see ourselves as dead, I've been crucified with Christ, then now it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. This is... Jesus, who can do all things. Nothing is hard for Him. Nothing is difficult for the Lord. And if I want to have this ability working through me, I die and let Him live through me. Everybody with me on this? Okay. He said, And the life which I now live... See, you're alive? Well, kind of. But it's not really me. It's Jesus in me. My life, no his life yes the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me okay this verse right here now check this out this is the way for a believer to live today for a Christian to live today this is the answer that's quite a statement isn't it but Paul said the life I now live this is how I do it This is how I conduct myself. This is how I overcome. This is how I live in God's blessing and favor in my life. How does he do it? By faith, not by goodness, not by I'm all that, not by everything I do. By faith in what? In the Son of God who did two things. Who loved me and gave himself for me. The way that you can overcome in this life is to every single day be mindful of, fully knowledgeable of two things. how much he loved you and how much and, and what he did for you. That's how the Christian life works. If I don't know fully what he's done for me and how much he loves me, I'm going to slip into my self efforts, and come short but if I know what he did for me how much he loves me his grace flows in me now now it's no longer I who live but he's living through me it's Christ who lives through me he causes me to be victorious and overcome in every circumstance and situation when I know that oh I don't know about you uh, I really think that if we could all be reminded of this every day and you know that's the key That's why we have communion. That's why we do water baptisms. That's why we do all these things. They're reminders of what is true and what's a reality, what the Lord has done on our behalf and how we are simply recipients of the most amazing gift that we could never uh, cause to happen in our lives by ourselves. Do you know today how much He loves you? Do you know what He's done for you? Then you're operating in the faith. You have faith in the Son of God. If you don't know how much he loves you, don't know how much he's done for you, you don't have faith in the Son of God. You're very likely operating in the flesh. And you're, you're, you're trying. You might have a good motive, but it's hard for you. You're struggling. Prayers don't get answered very frequently. You kind of throw up a prayer, hoping it'll land. You probably, you probably frequently get a lot of try to get a lot of people to pray for you because you think that helps. but you don't see many results but if we know how much he loves us and we know what he's done for us he now lives through us Jesus gets his prayers answered amen Amen. and when he's living in me and through me this is when I rise up to the level of the new covenant and I operate in all that's been provided for me through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ daily knowing how much he loves me, what he did for me. This is how the Christian life works. I feel like I need to say that about 10 more times. Daily, knowing, not I used to know, not I know a little bit, be reminded of it daily how much he loves you and what he has done for you. Your faith will soar, your faith will be strong. In fact, Really, the way some of this is written, if you read this in the, the Young's literal translation, it says, With Christ I have been crucified, and live no more do I. And Christ doth live in me, and that which I now live in the flesh. In the faith I live of the Son of God, who did love me and did give himself for me. What, what is it? The faith of Of the Son of God. Literally, sometimes people feel like my faith is insufficient. Use His then. His is going good. (laughs) Jesus has great faith. And I can live in His faith if I simply know how much He loves me. And what He has done for me. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Some of these things that I'm sharing with you today, I know some probably are already tripping out <laughs> in their minds. If not, if you haven't started, you'll probably start here soon. Uh, but this this message, although basic, is very hard for the religious mind to accept. And I don't want you to take my word for it, all right? I'm an honest person. I'd never intentionally deceive anybody. But I want you to judge for yourself. Read the scriptures that we're reading and others, okay but this is hard for the religious mind uh, to take because people want to fight for their right to be guilty before god (laughs) it doesn't make any sense but literally people want to feel bad and i've done wrong and i've got to fix it man we can't fix it that's the whole point of the old testament versus the new the old the law pointed to the fact that people could not fix themselves and they had to be fixed from the outside and that was jesus who did that for us, and embracing that not only at the day we get saved. Every day of our life, He's working through me. It's Christ's life coming out of me. Amen. I'm not living by a set of laws and rules and commandments and regulations. I'm living by the living Christ inside of me Hallelujah. who wants to manifest His life in my life, in my thinking, through my hands, through my actions. It's that's, that's the way that we're supposed to live today. Okay now, now Hebrews chapter ten, these verses are just amazing as well i i but I tell you for a long time, I'd read Hebrews eight, nine, and ten, and not get much out of them. I'd pick a few verses and I really liked them, but the rest of it I was kind of like dum. reading about the Old Testament stuff and the sacrifices and what they did, and I thought, you know that doesn't apply to me uh well, you know it it doesn't apply directly in that sense, but it does. Uh, apply in a way okay Hebrews 10 and verse 1 says for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things let's stop there for a moment think about it says the law was a shadow having a shadow of good things to come what's a shadow a shadow will tell us basic dimensions it'll give us a real rough picture of the real thing Right But you can't get all the details. you don't see the life, the color, all the uh, all the little parts that really matter. You just get a, a glimpse of it, okay? And it's, it's like a shadow. If I were to hit you with my shadow, you know I got in the right sunlight and I, and I hit you with my shadow, uh, would that impact you at all? No. See, the shadow doesn't have the power to change. All right. But when you come into the light, you come into the reality, the full image of the thing. That's what, And in this case, it's Jesus. He has the ability to actually change a person, not just point to what it kind of looks like to be changed. Almost like there was a light shining from the future into the past, and it shone through Jesus. And so in the law and the old covenant, they could see kind of parts of it. And they could see it in the sacrifices and some of the things that they did There's something coming. I kind of like it. It looks pretty good. I'm not sure exactly what what this is going to actually look like, though. And now here today, we see redemption and and Jesus in the light. And when seeing that, of course, he has the power, and this has the ability to change us forever. Okay, again, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never, with these same sacrifices... Which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. I want you to notice what he's saying here. He's comparing the old to the new. He said the way it used to be done, they would do these things year by year, and yet it would never really work. It would never make them perfect. Well, why would you say that? Unless you're comparing it to something that did make people perfect something that did work that you wouldn't have to do over and over again. Now, we're not trying to come to the Lord over and over again, are we? We're not trying to get Him to accept us again and again. We're not acting like there's something wrong with us every single day, coming to the Lord and asking Him to forgive us. You know, you don't do this at your mealtime, do you? Lord, bless the food and forgive us of all of our sins. I'm going to show you. Let's keep reading. We'll show you why why that's very damaging to do that. That's an Old Testament prayer. He said, verse 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. Notice the language. He said, if that would have worked, they would not be conscious of sins. But just the opposite was happening there. They were having sacrifices again and again and again so that they would be conscious of sins. So that they would feel like losers. So that they would feel like, I've come short of God's glory. I need help. I need a Savior. And he's contrasting that with the way it is today. We're not supposed to be conscious of sin anymore. I'm supposed to be conscious of Him, not of sin. That I'm right, not what's wrong, because in Him there is nothing wrong. Can you see that's exactly what he's saying? That's the way it used to be. They were mindful of sin. You are a sinner. You need saved. You need to get things fixed in your life. But in the new covenant, we're supposed to be knowledgeable knowledgeable of this truth. I am fixed. I am saved. Once I come to Jesus, I am forgiven. There is nothing wrong. There is no sin in my life. That almost sounds too good to be true, but there it is right in black and white. He said in verse 3, But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Notice the contrast. What were they done? What did they do? They were reminded of sin. If we're being reminded of sin... We have totally missed the boat. We've missed the new covenant truth. I'm to be reminded of righteousness, not reminded of sin. I am not an Old Testament believer. I'm a new covenant man. They were reminded of sin. How many know that's a big problem in many Christian lives today? And people, they're always reminded. They're told, this is we said this before, I'll say it again. But people are told frequently that we're all sinners. What is that? That is Old Testament theology. You need to know there's something still wrong with you. If there's something still wrong with me, what what can be done? Do I need to do better? Okay, that's works. That's not grace. Does Jesus need to do something else for me? That means he didn't do it all. That means salvation was limited. That means the work on the cross was not sufficient. Either he does it all, and he did it all, and he completed it in me, or not. Either I'm to be reminded every day, every day I come to church, I'll be reminded, you're something still wrong with you, you need to get yourself fixed up. Or I'm reminded that anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. My life is hidden with Christ in God. I've been crucified with Christ and the life I now live. It's not even me. It's Christ who lives in me. I just simply live by faith in what He did and how much He loved me. That's the definition of our Christian life today. We're no longer to be mindful of sin. And I know some people, they'll struggle with this. I don't know about that. I still got things that are wrong with me. Not in your spirit you don't. We got. We, I know people get nervous with this as well. They say, Pastor, you're just giving people a license to sin. Like it doesn't really matter. And the truth is, people are sinning without a license. <laughs> and there is really no license to sin. grace is empowerment to live right. It is God's ability that says, you are a saved person now. You've been made in my image. You've been given my life and my grace to overcome in this life. That that empowers me to live right, not to live wrong. Amen. But I know this, when I've blown it, I come up before Him, and there I am, still in Christ. My relationship with God is intact. It doesn't come and go, up and down, in and out. I'm still saved. What about what you did? What about what I did? Don't tell the Lord. <laughs> Cause he thinks I'm still in Christ. <laughs> I'm thinking he's right. You saying it doesn't matter? Listen, sin is a problem. Sin will hurt. Sin will destroy your life. But it has been dealt with in Jesus on the cross that's the truth and that's a fact and we use that as power to overcome not as license to do i mean that's silly amen let, let me give you a couple more verses out of this chapter instead of instead of taking time to read the whole thing i picked out a few uh because jesus was the one time final offering uh for us so that we could be you know forgiven forever hebrews chapter 10 verse 11 let's see And every priest stands ministering daily. This is talking about the Old Covenant again. uh, Offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. That's amazing. They did this stuff over and over again. And right here, clearly written, it never took away sins. Their sins were covered. What's that contrasting? The next verse. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Why did Jesus sit? Because it's done i mean it's accomplished sin has been dealt with he's never getting up again to deal with sin it is once and for all forever and eternally washed away from our lives wow this is nice i think i like this book verse 14 says for by one offering he has what's that word perfected forever those who are being sanctified one offering what is that offering it is himself the offering of himself on the cross by one offering he perfected forever those who are being sanctified (laughs) nice verse 17 then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more God will never call to mind ever again any sin or, pro- or failure that has ever been a part of your life Amen. stop reminding him yeah. stop bringing it up to him he doesn't know what you're talking about come to Jesus get in Christ and all sins are washed away yeah. say which ones all all, all. past, present, future yeah. has to be has to be think about it logically Has to be. If sin was such a big deal that it could not be dealt with any other way than God Himself taking on human flesh, coming in the likeness of men, bearing our sin and shame on the cross, and that was a big deal. We could talk about that for a while. But if it really took that, and now He's done, and I sin, and now that sin still exists, then He's got to go through that again. But never, never, never will He do it. Sin has once and for all been abolished away. Let's go over to Acts chapter 13. I've got to show you two more things over here today. But our righteousness, again, is not based upon our prayer life or any other thing we do. It's based upon Jesus. We should stop trying to be better. Acknowledge that in Him you are better. If you have a past, and again we don't in Christ, but if in your life you have uh, you know, maybe you were in the world for a long time. You did a lot of things in the past that were wrong and sinful. Let me encourage you not to talk about it very much. And and I say very much to the extent that it can help somebody else. It's a testimony of what God brought you out of, how He saved, delivered, and helped you. Then you can talk about it and use it. But, uh, you know, as a believer, we should never be talking about things kind of, you know, like we enjoyed it. Hmm? because sin remember is only pleasurable for a season then it cleans your clock and you pay for it right and so I never want to be just talking about oh I used to do this and I used to party like this and I used to do these things uh, man only if I'm talking to someone who's in it only if I'm sharing to a degree where I can say and the Lord saved me and he set me free and he delivered me and I'm giving glory for what he delivered me from other than that that guy's dead. I want to dig him up. He's gone. I want to be mindful of him, not of sin. Every time I come before him, I'm mindful of the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. and my I'm washed and cleansed, therefore I come before him without guilt and shame. One of the things that we deal with now from day to day is a lot of times people are trying to qualify themselves for God's blessings. They see His promises. They see what they desire and want. And so they're trying, endeavoring to make themselves good enough to get some of it. It's like if I haven't sinned for a week, you know, or at least that thing that I've, you know, repented of a hundred times and I haven't done it for a while, then I feel confident before God then i feel like okay i'm ready to pray i'm ready to serve because i feel good about myself how many understand that that person is coming in their own merits you understand what i'm saying people are trying to qualify themselves to get their prayers answered to get blessings from god to have things happen in their lives that they desire that god has promised and we know this well most of us know this we've come beyond this you know it's in there are some with the knowledge of God that is limited And it's incorrect in some ways Where they feel like if God doesn't answer my prayer Well it's because of his sovereignty It's because that he just chose not to do it But we understand If you've been around here you understand That's not correct theology uh, All the promises of God in him are yes and amen Alright I'm in Christ so I get all the promises And the answer is yes every time Okay, we under, Most of us understand that So what, what we come to then is this If if something's not happening in me, I know it's not God's fault. So what's the logical conclusion? Must be my fault. Isn't that logical? He's always right, and if it's not happening, must be a problem with me. But here's here's where that can go go wrong. Uh, What is wrong with me in that situation is not sin, What is wrong with me is thinking that uh, because it, hmm, how can I say this? It's thinking that somehow God is not doing it for me because I'm not good enough. That's what's wrong. The thing that is wrong in us is feeling like we are not qualified or not, uh, uh, we haven't done enough to get God's favor and blessing in our lives. That's what's wrong. It is true that it's never on God's end. It's always on our end. But it's not true that, well, it's because I skipped my Bible reading this week. It's, it's not true that ah, I was supposed to witness to this guy and share Jesus, but I didn't. And, and uh, that's why God's not talking to me anymore, not answering my prayers. That's not correct. Why? Because those things have passed away. Those things have been washed away. I'm forgiven in Him. The thing on my end that hinders again is the belief that something is wrong. That's keeping it away. This is where all of Christianity comes back to in our day. It is about believing and not about performance. Let's look at Acts 13 and verse... 38. All right. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is preaching here. We're going to pick up here at the last part of his uh, message. He said, Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. That's talking about Jesus. He said, And by him everyone who believes is justified from all things which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. This is the gospel in a nutshell, isn't it? What are we preaching? What, what was he saying? Just real simple. Everyone who believes. Not everyone who acts. Not everyone who, 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 uh, who lives right, who has no sin in their life. Everyone who believes is justified. You know what justified means? Just as if I'd never sinned. Everyone who believes in Him, what He did in His finished work, is made just before God. You are justified before Him. How? Through believing. And this, is, this does something in us. It says, that could never be done through the law of Moses. No amount of following the rules. No amount of the commandments. No amount of doing everything right can ever produce what believing in Jesus can produce yay we proclaim his name we make the name of jesus known because he's the only solution how do we fix the social problems of our world jesus yeah how do we fix poverty jesus what about aids problems jesus i know the government can't accept this because they think you know they got some funky thing about separation of church and state which really only means keep the government out of the church when it was written in a letter initially. It's not in the Constitution, by the way, either. It doesn't mean keep the church out of the government, but that's the, you know, that's the spirit of Antichrist that operates in the world today. And, uh, but Jesus is the answer. He fixes everything. It is simply believing in Him, how much He loved us and what He did for us that changes us instantly in the new birth and from day to day in all that we do it's amazing and powerful and super simple look at look at the 14th chapter let's finish with this acts 14 see this is paul's message he was preaching this main part of what he he would talk about everywhere he went in acts 14 and verse 7 it says and they were preaching the gospel there what were they preaching the gospel he said and in lystra one of the places they did that A certain man, without strength in his feet, was sitting, a crippled from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now let's go back. What was Paul preaching there? He was preaching the gospel. What happened as a result of him preaching the gospel? A guy got faith to be healed. Do you understand this? That first first of all, it is impossible that Paul was preaching what some teach today. Well, God might want you healed, and he might not. It's impossible. Absolutely, emphatically impossible. Paul could not have been telling these guys, you know, sometimes God wants you well. Sometimes he's teaching you a lesson with this sickness sometimes it's his divine purpose that you get sick and die young or be crippled or be in a wheelchair or whatever it is impossible it is no one could ever get faith to be healed if someone's telling you maybe or if someone's telling you well we never know what god's going to do he might do it he might not impossible for a person to get faith from that for healing it's a different gospel he was preaching than, than oftentimes people are talking about today I was in an airplane Flying to Boise one time a number of years ago And I was talking with a guy Who was sitting next to me And he was a Christian and uh, Nice guy but he was talk, telling me about his church In Texas He said our church is this this and this He said in our church we don't talk about All that healing stuff He said we just preach the gospel I thought huh what gospel is that? Because the gospel that Paul preached would get people healed. Healing must be in the gospel. But here, Now watch. Here's what I don't know for certain. When it says he was preaching the gospel, we could certainly do a healing, healing as part of the gospel. I don't know specifically that Paul was preaching there about a healing of a physical body. What I do see, because of the verses before in the previous chapter, he was telling them that whoever would believe on Jesus would be justified. Something would happen in them where their sins were washed away. They were not being held account any longer for any wrongdoing. I know he's talking about that because that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And what happened when when that transpired? When a person's sin is removed, they now qualify for all of God's blessings. When a person has guilt removed, they don't feel like there's something wrong with me that's going to keep me from receiving from God. There they go. God's grace flows freely to them. I in my experience, over the years praying for different people, I can identify times when I was praying for healing for someone and The person had a messed up life. And I can tell you multiple stories. But uh, people who had messed up lives. I mean they're making dumb decisions daily. You know. They claim the name of Christ. They call themselves a Christian. But you hope they don't use the bumper sticker. (laughs) Because it's not like their life. Their testimony is just really one that says. Do what I do. It's more like okay you're a Christian but you know got a lot of growing to do and, uh, uh, but in those situations prayed for people and the power of God instantly and immediately and easily eradicates sickness and disease and they get healed right before my eyes and all it do, what it does for me I stand back and say thank you Lord for your grace and your mercy because it was obvious not a reward for their right living they weren't living right They had a lot of issues, but God comes in and does it anyway. And sometimes you'll get someone who is living right, and they're faithful, and they're doing all this stuff, and they come up, and it's like laying your hands on a rock. No, nothing's flowing. There's no power flowing. What's going on here? Here's what oftentimes is the case. One person knows they're not coming on their own merits, their own goodness. They say, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, touch me and the other person feels like they deserve it. I I tithe, I'm faithful in church, I do this, I read, I pray, I I, I witness, I I do good things, I serve, I do all these things. Listen, You don't get healed because you do that. No prayer is answered, no blessing comes from God because we've got it all together. It comes from when we say Jesus has it all together. It is all based on what he did. Lord, I just receive what you've done for me. Amen. But the removal of sin. You ever, you ever heard, I've had people say this before. Sometimes when you play golf, if you hit a real good shot, you know, or maybe you get a good bounce off a rock or something. You know, you hit a bad shot, hits a rock, ends up right next to the hole. People will say things like, uh, you must be living right. <laughs> and that mindset is, is, if I'm doing everything right, if I'm doing everything perfect, then good things will happen in my life. We need to get rid of that. Not so we don't want to live right. I want to live right. But I want to have the mindset that I'm receiving any good and every good thing by God's grace. It's, not, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In this, we set ourselves up, oh, for His best and His goodness every day of our lives, His power and grace to flow through us. Why? Because it's just as if I never sinned. It's almost like I come before God and He thinks I'm perfect. Amazing. He looks at me, checks me out, and everything's good. Why? Because I'm coming in Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Father, thank you today for your presence, for your divine work, for your favor upon each and every one of us. That in Christ, everything is right. Our sins have been washed away. All has been made new and clean. Lord, we stand before you today. We come before you not on our own merits or our own goodness, but we come knowing that, that Jesus was our substitute. He took our place. And Lord, we receive healing, answer to prayer, forgiveness of sins. Lord, our lives changed and made right and new. Thank you for what you're doing in each and every person today. Thank you for your grace that abounds toward us. Oh, we give you glory and honor and praise, thanksgiving to your name. For those who've come to church today that have never been saved, Lord, if they were to